0: Hi, I'm Barbara Lawhorn with New Book Networks. Hi, I'm Barbara Lawhorn with New Book Networks Pop Culture Podcast, and I'm thrilled to have Fiona Helmsley with us today. Um, We'll be talking about her incredible new collection of essays, Girls Gone Old. Fiona Helmsley's writing can be found online at websites like The Rumpus, Jezebel, The Weaklings, The Hairpin, Pank, and in various anthologies like Ladyland and the Best Sex Writing of the Year. And a multiple, uh, excuse me, a multiple pushcart nominee, her book of essays and stories, My Body Would Be the Kindest of Strangers, was released in 2015. She's an MFA candidate at L'Ecole de Merde. Welcome, Fiona. Hi. Well, we'll begin first. Um, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um,
1: hmm. Well, what I write about is, is mostly um, my adventures in the past, um, though there are some essays in the new book that have to do with now. Um, uh, a lot of, not a lot, some of my writing takes place in New York City. I moved there in the late 70s and um, was there on and off for a little bit less than a decade. Um, And while I was there, I had gone there to go to school. The idea was I would go to community college and um, get my grade point average up and then um, hopefully transfer to a film school. Um, But that's not what happened. (laughs) Uh, uh, I I had started working in the sex industry um, I was always really into punk rock. So it was both those, those worlds, the punk world, and um, kind of the world of the sex industry. And um, that went on for about six or seven years. Um, and that tends to be the focus of my writing, those experiences that I had then. And and um, just uh, the way it led me to see the world and, and to sort of understand people.
0: Wonderful, thank you. I I was really struck when I started um, in with your first piece. My icon hates me. Um, I think for a lot of us who grew up in the eighties, and and also um, women, especially. I mean, I'm I'm coming to this collection as a 42 year old woman who's you know still making sense of my past as well. And and what I loved about this piece. Was it it made me think about being in conversation with those those writers, artists, um fans um who have influenced me in, in a huge way. And I, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about my icon hates me and where this piece was born from and and the way in which it's structured too, because I think it's a really interesting um Uh, you know, collage of of all of these uh, moments in time um, for the icon, but also for for the narrator as well? Well, it's a little bit exaggerated. I mean, all of the interactions are
1: based in reality, but I did take it to a level, you know, trying to be a little bit funnier with it. Um, uh, There's a woman, my icon in the story, who to a lot of people I think will will be very quite recognizable, though I don't want to say who she is, um, who had really influenced me as a young woman. I'd read her writing. She she'd performed in bands. And when I moved to New York, she was pretty accessible. um, But she was always very um, standoffish, um, Mm -hmm. as I think comes across in the essay. Um, And it's also, I don't say it as much in the essay, but it was very much in my mind when I was writing it, I mean, I was influenced by people like Kathleen Hanna and Courtney Love, and Cat um, Bajilin from K- from Babes, Babes in Toyland, um, and and Lydia Lunch. Mm-hmm. And and what was funny about those women, those women specifically, was you they would talk about it in the media, and you would see it in interviews. They all hated each other, <laughs> like I and, and they were and they were thought of as well. Um, Lydia is a little bit before Riot Girl. But I mean, uh, Kat and Courtney and Kathleen were all, all very much considered, you know, to, to different extents to be part of like the Riot Girl scene, which was supposed to be like this idea of, you know, women's empowerment and you know, sisterhood and, and whatnot. And mm-hmm. these but these three specific women did not like each other. Courtney loved punched Kathleen Hannah in the face. Um, yes. Uh, Lydia Lunch used to. Ta- Courtney was was very. Um, you know obvious about how she'd been influenced by Lydia and Lydia would say all these things about Courtney um so it was just funny that um out of that whole you know scene of riot girl the the the, the women in it who I latched onto happened to be women who were so upfront about their dislike for each other um but in in my real life the woman in the story um you know, I I tried to reach out to her a bunch of different times because as I kept writing, you know, the hope is that, you know, this person who has such an influence, who, who had had such an influence on me, you know, might maybe want to talk to me, might want to you know, not necessarily think of me as a peer. I mean, she had so, her history was so, is so much more vast than mine, but it was just, um, she was always very, um you know, kind of
0: get away from me. <laughs>
1: you know. So
0: a couple of things come up for me as as I was listening to you. Um, can you talk a little bit about, because especially with creative nonfiction and you were saying that um, uh, emphasizing the humor and maybe, you know, pushing it and exaggerating it a little bit um, in terms of craft, right? So right. that it, it becomes this made thing. It is about what what happened in specific events, but it also becomes art, right? It's artfully constructed, right. and, and it is so funny. Um, but it also gets at these really interesting tensions about what does it mean to be influenced by others, and, and what does it mean to be in conversation with them, and, and competition in right. some ways, you know? Right. And so I wonder if you could talk as a writer, too, about... Um, how you kind of juggle all of those things at once, and and how do you know when a piece is finished, too? Because this piece, it just came to me as I as I was reconsidering it this morning that um, the way it's woven together, it is really sophisticated. It's a really sophisticated piece of writing, and and so using all of that and still making it feel um, oh, so real, right, and of that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I definitely obsess
1: over my writing. And um, to go back to like what I changed to make it funnier, like in the essay, I asked her to contribute to a blog that I'm doing on, you know, like um, uh, writers' sweaters, like having writers and artists send me pictures of their sweaters. Um, In real life, I do do a blog of writers' shoes. And and I did reach out to her to ask her to send me a picture of her shoes but I changed it to sweaters because I thought that would be more funny. I mean, that would be an example of how I switched it up a little bit. But um, I obsess over my writing. Like I I just obsess. When something's done is, I I just have this weird thing that I do. I think a lot of writers have like their weird little things. Mm -hmm. I'll write something on my computer and then I send it to my phone. And when I'm reading it on my phone, like on that little screen, when I can read it on my phone on my little screen and it seems done to me that's when I'm done. It's just my it's,
0: own little weird thing. It's, but, I love it. Yeah, but that's how I... But I think what I also found really interesting about this was um, looking at technology and the live journal, the piece um, where you talk about um, the live journaling and it made me think about, oh, my gosh, how far we have come, technologically right. speaking. And that, you know, like before Google, you know, when I say to, to students, um, you know, well, BG, and they're like, what's that? And I'm like, well, before Google, and it is something that, that they can't conceive of, really, because right. right. they haven't known that. Um, but it brought it brought back to me just so, so many ideas um, and the the dial up modems things that i had had legitimately kind like of when i think, webcams when webcams yes. were like yeah <laughs> um, it was like cutting edge But going
1: back to like your your icons and that's another thing about the internet um, your your icons for lack of a better word are like completely accessible now i mean if yes. they if they play into the internet i mean you can um, like I, I mentioned, um, uh, when I was younger, my interest in Courtney Love, like she would comment on my Facebook page. Um, so it's, it's, it's funny that, uh, you know, that is so different now. You're these people that you look up to, um, usually they have to do it. If, if they're in the arts in some way, they have to have some kind of presence online and, and they're just totally accessible. And for a long yeah. time, I would really, I was one of those people who, you know, if I, you know, I found out, um uh, you know, somebody that I really looked up to, um, you know, was like active on the internet, I would be right there emailing them and, you know, not trying to be annoying. Right. But I guess looking for that kind of connection. But in that essay, my icon hates me. Um, you know, but in the woman who that's about has always been, it wasn't just, you know, Courtney Love, who she was out about not liking. She, um, um, if you go through old interviews with her, she's just very much um, like an island to herself when she comes to, um, you know, other women. I mean, she's right. there's this old feminist term, male-identified, and she's kind of male-identified. There's nothing the matter with that,
0: but it's just right. her, her way. Do you feel any pressure to be accessible in that in that big way, too?
1: I, I, I for a long time... I, if anybody messaged me usually i would mes- message them back i mean this is through facebook because it's so easy right. and i don't like to be rude but you know a lot of these people were rude <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: so um you know not so much anymore especially people who, who will message me and be like oh send me a link to your you know send me a link to something you've written i mean to even ask that when well, you can just go into google and type exactly. somebody's name i mean that's so profoundly lazy Yes, um, and and insulting, but um, yeah. I mean, I've backed away from the internet lately. Um, I I don't find the internet to be as much fun as I used to. Um, so I'm like in just this weird spot with with um my online presence right now. Probably because I need to do it more, like for for writing and book stuff. Like, you know, trying to to put to push me as a product. That's probably right. what makes me back away from it. Um,
0: so which is. That. yeah and that's a that's a such a different space than the space of of writing your life in order to share it where that initial that that internet odyssey 2002 and internet odyssey the way that it really worked I think in some ways in the beginning to really connect with to connect in a brand new way right. with others that you might not ever connect with. Right. And you just, know just
1: trying to figure it out. Well, I have, my chi- I have a child. I have a son, and he's 12. And I see um, <clears throat> how much value he puts on, like, he's on YouTube a lot. And mm-hmm. if somebody has, like, 5,000 subs, you know, he thinks that yes. that means that they have some great validity. And I think it's, like, yes. the worst val- validity, you know. I mean, usually the group mind is, like, the mind you want to stay away from. But, um, you know, and I, I see how... You know, him and people his age think that that is just the mark of something worthwhile. And that just makes me cringe <laughs> so right. hard. Yeah. It is.
0: It's, it is is so hard. You know, speaking of validity in Girls Gone Old, um, I love the tension in this piece between, oh, there's a, a section um, that I had marked that, you know, this idea about, about really wanting to um trying to I'm trying to find it because I have lots of places that um yep, the marks. I, I had yes I had marked it because it is so good, but this idea of you know wanting to be seen um wanting also um, wanting also to know oh here it is um it's on page twenty four um Since I chose to do this, I can say upon reflection that gains were pretty meager. I ended up having to deal with more fuckers than fans, and in the communications I had with a lot of the male readers of my writing, that undercurrent was always there and never really seemed to morph into anything more substantial. Yes, they wanted to fuck me, false success, but it never really evolved, as far as I could tell, into some deeper appreciation of my work, real success. I've learned that women can use their physicality, but they will never be able to control what happens once they do. Once I turned them on, it was hard to turn them off. It was hard to get them to focus. It was hard to get them to read. I, I love that. because that's so sad. I, it is, but it's that yeah, whole. No, it's so true, but it's so sad.
1: I remember I saw this video once of Paris Hilton, and it was the height of her fame. This was when she was, you know, she was Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. And it was a video of her in a hot tub. With um, and Joe Francis who's in that essay was the one making the video and he's mm-hmm. saying to her and she's in the hot tub and she's like covered in bubbles I think and he's saying to her come on Fra- Fra- um, come on Paris show me your tits show me your tits France um, why do I keep wanting to call her Francis show you know show me your tits Paris and I'm thinking to myself this is the most famous woman in the world um, and you would think with her fame would come some kind of power or some kind Mm of protection but still she most famous person in the world and she's not telling this guy to 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 get away from me shut up um she was still trying to play the the sexy girl for him in in the bathtub and it, it just struck me as so profoundly sad um i don't know i mean maybe the goal of you know fame and Recognition and 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 that isn't um, isn't to not have to deal with yourself, you know, in a physical or, or sexual mm. way. But you would like no, you don't. And with women, you always have to. You always have yes. to. It never you never break free of that. It will, you know. It will, people will always expect that from you.
0: It's it's so true. And then when you're talking about old. You know, maybe if I hadn't defaulted to it as often as I did, quote, old wouldn't carry any sting. Maybe if I hadn't defaulted to it, old wouldn't make me feel like someone was trying to take something from me. I mean, I think in my in my 40s, that feeling of, um, you know, of being old, right. you know, or being identified as being old, where I'm like, I feel so young. Right. You know, I or- still feel... Um, uh, and maybe even more feel more physically in my body at home in my body than I ever have. But it is, it, it does, it does feel like, you know, this idea that you talk about that physicality, that, that sexuality, even if it is just like not seen, it becomes right. something of you're an age where it is ignored or not seen. Um, but this idea of, of being in the passenger seat in some way, like, even when we try to control it, when we try to drive it, when we try to be in charge of it and use it um, that, that line where you said, but I'm starting to wonder if I, if I was always just the passenger um, was, was really, I thought profound, you know, it is one of those things that comes up in conversation for me with other women.
1: Right. Um, Right. And as you, and I'm 40 um, mm
0: -hmm.
1: and as much as I never, I mean, I guess I can't say that I didn't. There, as I try to say in the essay, there are, there are some times where it, it, it can feel good yes. to be objectified. You know, you, it can make you you feel like a, a weird kind of a, accomplishment in, in some way, which is the only thing that I can think of to, to compare it to as, as some kind of um accomplishment, weird three-dimensional accomplishment. But you start to notice when, when it changes, um, you know, when you're walking down the street and guys aren't. Leering at you, no matter how disgusting that is, um, you know it's may, maybe it's just the change of it that is, um, you know, hard to 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 wrap your mind around. It can feel like some kind of death, which is which is so horrible, and it's also horrible to be aware, to be aware of the mm-hmm. whole structure at play, to think it's gross. Yes. To also, you know, have to operate in it. I mean, to to not operate in in it. Um, you know, especially as an artist, um, is to make a sacrifice. You know, because mm-hmm. there is a currency to to being desired. That's what it comes down to. It's something that you can trade um, to to get your work out there, to get people interested. Um, you know, and it's not on us. It's it's patriarchy. You know, yes. um, it's it's not on us. You know, this these are the cards that we we've been dealt. Just trying to navigate it and being aware of what we're doing. Yes,
0: yes. But I did love the Golden Girls reference. I got it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Can can you talk about too? So twelve flash nonfiction's. Can you first tell me? Um. Tell me about the how you see flash operating differently from kind of the traditional essay.
1: Well, I don't do a lot of it, um, so there was some, um, you know, it was different to try to, to do something small and, and really concise. Some of them had been Facebook statuses that I, um, you know, I, like, tweaked a little bit. Um, I was just trying to go for something um, that I thought was, to say, Something is profound, seems a little egotistical, but I was trying to go for something that had like a little bit of resonance, but um, you know, in a in a small little package. Um, uh, I don't do it that often. I, I tend to be quite a wordy person.
0: These pieces though are like, oh, I mean, I was thinking in terms of almost a haiku where these were the ones that they bloomed for me while I was walking my dog. Like I, they would come back to me and reverberate and the accumulated effect of all 12 coming together does, I mean, it does feel profound. um, The way that, that all 12 of these pieces do come together and these echoes and reverberations and thematically it's, it's lovely and beautiful and funny too. Right.
1: I, 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 I can't think of what they all are. I know that there's, you know, there's a few about when I was a child, um, you know, my parents, um, my father was an alcoholic. Um, they, you know, I, they tend to be a little bit sad, but I know that there are some funny ones in there. There's one about my grandmother before oh. she died. Um, yes. Yeah, one about my child's father.
0: Mm-hmm. So can I ask you, because I think humor is is really hard it's hard to write well and not have it feel forced. Does that come naturally to you, Fiona? Or is that something that you've actively cultivated?
1: Yeah, I think I definitely, my default is like self-deprecation. And it's like the the spoonful of sugar, you know, to like sort of make the medicine go down. Um, I I think humor can be really good to get people to um, give something you know a second look that they might might not have you know maybe if they thought the subject matter might be too heavy or too um you know too kind of uh, off-putting if you you know give them the the hook of the humor they might be more um open open to it
0: so we'll talk a little bit about 2002 and internet odyssey and the subject matter I think this is one where there, there is humor. Um, I'm thinking like just your live journal handle, you know, of crack pipe. pipe. (laughs) (laughs) Where it's, it's really, it is, it's really funny, but it's also, um, It's really not funny, too. Well, it's not. It's an interesting choice. I mean, it was just one of those spur of
1: the moment things. My friend had, as I say in the essay, had sent me a link to the site. I knew nothing about, and you know, comes up on the screen. You know, come up with a a a login name. Um, So I probably never even expected to really use the site. So, but the funny thing is, I mean, of all the drugs that I abused and made big parts of my life for so long. you know, I mean, there were some crack moments, but crack was not, <laughs> was not um, <laughs> you know, my, my first and foremost.
0: Was it, I mean, I think in writing about, um, writing so viscerally, or as Mary Carr would say, you know, carnally mm-hmm. about really yeah. difficult subject matter that I think a lot of people want to avert their gaze from. Right,
1: but and that's where I think the humor can
0: yes can be
1: the
0: hook because it is i think i think these preconceived notions people have about um about addiction right. um that that the humor the vast intelligence the emotional and intellectually that's here um it's it's a fascinating a fascinating piece well, and i that mm-hmm, go ahead
1: well, I try to, um, you know, I mentioned Werner Herzog there towards the end. Um, yes. You know, the, and there's, I think it with with the memoir genre um, becoming so vast, vast, and so many of them having to do with addiction and, and things like that. I mean, people probably couldn't say that the drug addicts are not intelligent people. I mean, that would be. Immensely ignorant thing to Absolutely. say. Absolutely. Um, uh, but and uh, I try to to throw that, especially it's not throwing, it's natural because it's my life. But uh, but when I when I write about drugs or the sex industry, I do try to throw some some like intellectual ideas um, into the essays
0: because I do have them. I have lots of, of them. Of course. So, and I hope I yeah. hope that I was not implied that no
1: oh no 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 that no the way that yeah it, I didn't take it that way at all
0: because um, I I thought I thought that blending though of um of Grizzly Man which that ending right. in the film is is so gutting right. you know and think, you must never listen to this yes no, you must never. Yeah. Yeah. but I think too the genre of the memoir and and if as a writer. I mean as a writer you are always confronted with past work and and also I think that not being de- necessarily completely defined by it but this idea of also you know moving forward and and what comes next in terms of writing um and I I just know that rereading work that of the past that is that that encapsulates who I really was at that time too can be so so painful. And that's, that's what I think that, that you capture here. That is so universal for me is the tenderness of that. yeah, And the the horrifying realization that
1: you were, at least for me, I was so, um, that was my presence, you know, the whole time I was on live journal, I was just like this. I don't even know. I, I was just so like, I just don't even know that poor girl. That's, that's all I can say. You know, I just, yes. just I just, I, 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 just like put it all out there. And it's interesting for me to go back and look at that because it's not contrived. I mean, I think a lot of the internet now is performance.
0: Yeah. Um, Construction. complete. Right. Yeah,
1: and, and I definitely wasn't per- performing. Um, I just, I, I guess that's what, I, that's what I thought. Like my, my best self was reaching, reaching out to, to others in the world. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting. But
0: th- there's something I think so brave about that. Yeah. You know, there's something so, and that comes across in the essay that it isn't, con- it's not contrived. Yeah. It's really, it's really like this act of, of absolute courage, I think to like present yourself as you are, you know, as yeah. you, as you conceive of yourself Truly. Yeah. I think there's something really courageous about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I could see that maybe if it's not you, like if it's not, no. <laughs> not you lo- looking back at it, I mean, and there right. were people, half the people that I re- were, were friends with on live journal were like gawkers, like gawking at this girl who was just, you know, t- totally out there about, um, you know, not having any kind of filter or sense of, um, dignity or you know um mm-hmm. and it's funny because i i you know i'd met some of those people on live journal and i'm still friends with them on different social networks and i've met them and uh, so some some, you know they they tell me that you know they're amazed and they say nice things like they could see in my crazy writing that there was some talent there but they never really thought that it would get any you know they thought that i would probably you know Fall back into you know using drugs and
0: and um, you know being a mess. So, so speaking about dignity, I, I love in California um, dreaming the the way that Chris, you present Christine. She's she's such a full character who comes to life um, in a way that has so much dignity. I think even though the, you know, the circumstances sometimes, uh, I think some of her actions, a lot of people from the outside looking in would see as undignified, but like the ham under the bed. Like I, I got that. I got why, like why the ham? Well,
1: yeah. (laughs) I mean, she was, I I had worked at a woman's halfway house. I worked there for almost uh, like eight years. Um, And she, I didn't, like I say in the essay, I didn't have many interactions with her. um, And she was obviously, I mean, to, to be easy about it, um, you know, she was just a, a, a mentally ill person who, was, mm-hmm. who could be manipulative. But I've always, I'm not so easy to dismiss that. Like, I can think that there could almost be like, this is probably going to sound pretentious. um, And I, I wouldn't want to sound like I'm I'm saying this from like a perch of privilege, like I'm, you know, treating somebody like a cartoon character, but there can be almost like a a, a poetry to that. I mean, some people would probably just say she was a liar, she was just this crazy liar, but um, I, I don't know. I, I she had like I guess warmed my heart a little bit, um, and then she died. So I mean, we didn't have we didn't have any great friendship or relationship, right? Um, but she was just somebody who I I thought had an interesting mind, I guess. And I think comes through in the essay, even though, you know, I describe how she was, you know, so overweight and so, um, you know, had a heart, was having, so all these health issues, I mean, still would like talk about California and getting back to California. And, um, you know, so obviously she still had some belief in herself whether they, that maybe that was the delusion and lies, but I don't know. She was somebody who I found myself thinking about, and so I wrote the essay.
0: It's, it's a beautiful essay. It really that ending for me. That um, going ahead and taking the chances and calling Detective Jones, because I think without being oh overt and like sledgehammery with it, it's that the dignity and the worth of, of her life, you know, that, that it's, it's, it's inherent, you know, and it was, this was a piece that I was, I was really moved by Fiona. It's, it's moving without being like sentimental, you know, or uh, you don't make more of your relationship, like the way that you just characterized it, it's there on the page.
1: Um, And I didn't want to say, I I thought it was important to like cut it. I didn't want to say like what I, you know, what it said in her file or, um, you know, most people can probably draw their own conclusions. You know, right. but I just wanted to to leave it like that.
0: And that that kind of the glimpsing of humanity that comes yeah. to yeah. in and um, that piece, and I think it's it like your the way that Ghoul Girl grows up just seems like it should follow that essay is is beautifully done because it's it that piece too feels like it's about understanding. <laughs> understanding in a, in a complex way um, what's behind, like, the true horror, the right. true horror of, of what we construe as kind of a glamorization of Manson or serial killers or um, the narrative that crops up without understanding that The violence. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead.
1: It it becomes like entertainment. Um, Like um, before Donald Trump was elected, because now all I do is watch MSNBC like 24 hours a day. Um, I used to watch a lot of investigation discovery, which I call the crime channel, because that's all it is. It's, you know, different crime shows, different murders. And, And I mean, this connects to the essay. When you're watching those shows, you're turning to this, whether you want to admit to it or not. It's for entertainment. Um, Yes. You know, um, people, the end of people's lives, and sometimes like in very horrible ways, um, you're like escaping through that. And I I, I think you kind of forget that, you know, when it's coming through the television, you forget that these are people's realities. Um, And it's interesting sometimes, too, because lately on and off in the media, you'll have the family members of these people lives have been made into these hour shows on investigative discovery, you know, um, coming out against the shows because the families don't even have any say as to whether or not these happen. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. imagine what that's like. You turn on the television and it's, you know, an, an hour drama about the murder of your mother and you have no control over that. Um, but when I was younger, um, I was always really interested in crime and I still am now. Um. But uh, when I would read Helter Skelter, because that's essays about, initially, my, my fascination, for lack of a better, better word, um, with, with Charles Manson, um, I didn't. I didn't. The murders, what he was most known for, really wasn't what I focused on when it, when it came to my interest in him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was more the trappings of, you know, 60s culture of a group of people Living sort of communally um and uh it just the, the the- all the bizarre tangents that 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 sprung from from Manson and his group, the murders were really um it was something something that I kept very distant it was you know it was mm-hmm. it wasn't in the forefront of my mind what what their claim to fame really was, which doesn't seem to make sense. There's like a disconnect. There was definitely a disconnect um, with that. Uh, and then I write later on, um, you know, I started going out with a guy who sold um, serial killer artwork, which was just totally coincidental. I mean, I didn't search him out because of I had had that interest. It was just like organic um, that that's what he did. And so I ended up, and he would do. He would sell artwork. They would. They would that he would buy from them, and in letters and things like that. So he hooked me up with Richard Ramirez, uh, and I wrote him a letter. And um, he wrote back to me. And then that's where the you know the, the end of the essay comes from, where I confronted with the fact who who this is, who's written to me, and what they've done, and just how like
0: gross it was and who you would be if you right, if you continued right. yeah
1: yeah like i i, I what is the, what is the appeal of this man he's in a cage because he's uh you know brutally killed however many people i mean mm-hmm. that's that's to reward that is um you know that's not who i am
0: right i think i think that like, I totally understand the fascination with Manson and, and the 60s culture. And also, I mean, I love mysteries, and it's all about that, that figuring out why we do what we do, right. and why and how we are capable of what we're capable of, which seems to me is also the job of the essayist, right. you know, right. for themselves and their place in the world, and... And there, were,
1: there were so many weird threads with the Manson thing, um, you know, yes. the idea of the race war, starting this race war and making it look like the Black Panthers did it. Um, and, and it's funny, I mean, the period of time that I was really interested in um, Charles Manson, like the period of time I had my Charles Manson scrapbook, <laughs> which I write about in the essay, um, I talked to Vincent Bogliosi. Um, if, see, if I'm interested in something, I really go for it. Um, who had been uh, the prosecutor. Um, You know, he was on some radio program and I called in uh, and we talked for a little while. Um, I was like 14. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it's just, it it really, I mean, I think that sounds bizarre, but the murders were like probably the last thing that really interested me about um, Manson.
0: How do you get hooked Fiona, by subject matter, typically, because, you know, you talked about when you get into something, you really get into it and, and the research and the coming to know. um,
1: I have at least, I have about five real obsessions a year. I was thinking about it the other day, because right now I'm in the middle of this really big Leslie Howard obsession. I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was an actor in the thirties and forties. He played Ashley in Gone with the Wind. Yes. Um, He was a British actor um, and he died when his plane uh, was shot down by the Nazis in like 1943. Um, So I'm in the middle of this and and my obsessions are totally diverse. Um, They're all over the place, but I usually have about five a year. Um, uh, When I did my first book, I was obsessed with Mark Bolin, uh, Mark Bolin, uh, who was the the main dude in the band T-Rex. Yes. um, so I was obsessed with him, uh, like, and I, and I get super obsessed, you know, and I'm 40 years old and obsession to me means all the things that it means when like you're a kid, obsession to me means you go and you order, order the posters, <laughs> you yes. go and you get the t-shirt, t-shirts. Um, you know, I don't have that much disposable income, but usually that's where my disposable income will go, you know, so I had the Mark mm-hmm. Molin obsession. Um. The, the bank robber John Dillinger, I've gone through um, obsessions with him more than once because that's just so interesting. Um, Joan Crawford was a recent obsession. <laughs> um, yes. But right now it's definitely Leslie Howard. Um, just watching his old movies. Um, you know, I've o- ordered like glossy uh, pictures from eBay. Um, you know, just trying to find out as much about him as I can because I just think he's so dashing (laughs) yes he is (laughs) he's just so I mean and it's funny because I was talking to somebody about it the other day but I'm trying to think like lineage wise like who would be an actor who would be I guess sort of comparable and I don't watch a lot of I don't watch a lot of like um, big movies I don't watch like a lot of popular movies Mm -hmm. and an actor who I had the awareness that would be kind of similar but isn't anyone who interests me in any way would probably be, like, a Hugh Grant. He kind of has, like, right. a Hugh Hugh Grant kind of dashing, funny, foppish, like, foppy thing to yep. him, so I don't know. I love him, though.
0: Do you see any writing coming out of it?
1: I would like to write something about Joan Crawford.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: actually, what I'm working on now is something about Casey Anthony. Um, Wonder? Oh. Yeah. Um, we, uh, our children, her daughter who died, um, is to say it would If she was still alive, it would be the same. We both had kids in 2005. um, And, you know, her relationship with her mother was so intense. Um, It's my relationship with my mother is also very intense. Um, And when that verdict, when that happened, when her trial went on, I was working at the halfway house. I was working with women who had lost their children. Um, And as somebody who'd been a drug addict up until I had my own child, um, I always had this awareness of, you know, you to get you need to get your shit together um Mm -hmm. you don't get your shit together um you know you you lose your child um so the essay is about just all of that like the confluence of all of that and then joan crawford um just because of what had happened to her with mommy dearest and yes. it may not seem like where it connects, but the, it does connect because I also talk about, um, other women who have been accused of being bad mothers, like Britney Spears when she yes. um, drove with the baby in the car seat. Um, Anna Nicole Smith, um, and, and then Anna, Anna died after the birth of her second child. Um, mm-hmm. and then it just connects to Nancy Grace and, um,
0: Oh uh, yeah. I'm st- I can't wait to read it.
1: I cannot wait. Got a lot of different cause... layers. And the funny thing is, like the nut graph of it sort of is when she was um, found to be not guilty, I was, I was so angry. I, me, I like to think of myself as so open minded and not somebody who's influenced by the media. I like to think that I take media, I listen to it, and I process process it on my own. But I can admit now, however many years after the verdict, where are we? That was like 2011, where I don't where, you know, six years ago. I, mm-hmm. I now I, I don't think that she was. I don't think she killed her child. I now I absolutely believe it was probably an accident. But at the time, I was just so and all and I. It, will admit to it in the essay, and it embarrasses me, but I was so influenced by the media. And I think it was also my own worries about having a child and being a good mother that I, it just made me very distrustful of her, the way that I saw her in the media. Um, And the essay is kind of admitting to, you know, how wrong I think that I was then and how it, you know, makes me mad at myself that I wasn't
0: it's over. such it's such fertile ground though because i think it's it's not until you are in that weird new terrain of being a mother and you understand that the judgments that are so easy to cast like what makes a good mom what makes a bad mom right that suddenly as a human being who's who's also now a mom like you understand the complexity it's it's so deeply <clears throat> complex and we want it to be easy
1: you know? Well, and I think especially with Casey, I think her relationship with her mother played into so much about what happened and the way she handled what I believe was an accident with her daughter. Mm -hmm. I think she was just so through all of her life, her relationship with her mother had been so toxic and she was so afraid of letting her mother down, um, you know, and, and saying, calling the police and saying this horrible accident happened. And actually after when when it's believed that Casey, um, that um, Kaylee, her daughter, went miss, missing, like the hour that they believed that it happened, um, Casey did try to call her mother. She tried to call. There's like three phone calls, and she doesn't get her mom on the phone. So I think that in those moments, Casey did try to, um, right, She did try to reach out to her family and say something horrible has happened, but she didn't get her mother on the phone, and then I think she just went back into her shell of being so afraid of letting her mother down, and it just snowballed uh, well, into this huge
0: thing. And fear, I think, I think oh, where that's fear makes thing. us retreat. Right, and you that's, know? that's
1: the worst thing. As a mother, you can, as as a, a woman, you can be um, is a bad mother. I mean, that is, you know, your bad mother is a label that it's very hard to to come back from.
0: Absolutely. And that's
1: where Joan Crawford would fit in. too. Yeah.
0: Well, I think in in talking about in in addressing fear too in killing me softly on Elliot Roger and the power of no. I, I thought this was such a compelling piece that made me think about the small no's, what no has cost. Yeah. You know, um, you know, that, that idea, small, no consequence, suck it up, move on. But the implications of, you know, we, that idea of no means no, um, and then how, even the way that we try to negotiate and soften the small nose and make it like digestible, right? It's and not you. okay. It's like, yeah, it's not yeah, you, uh-huh. it's me. Right. Right. And it it made me really think. Um, and this is a, a, a part of your work that um is uh, made me feel deeply connected. Was that reviewing and reflecting upon instances in my life where. Um, I think a lot of readers will do this where they, they see those small no's in a new way, realize, oh, yeah, you know, that um, that resounding, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Or just even
1: know? even the little times, I was talking to somebody the other day who is like in a position of power over me, and, you know, I'm not going to say if it's he, I work with him or whatever it mm-hmm. is, but he's a person who in my daily life is, you know, somebody who holds a little bit of power over what, what I do. And I realized, um, he was quoting somebody, um, was it, was it Nietzsche? I can't even remember. Or he said it was Nietzsche and I knew that it wasn't, I knew it was like Oscar Wilde, but I didn't correct him because I knew that he, you know, he probably could uh, for, for me to correct him, even in in a small way about something like that, I had a feeling that he wouldn't be able to to take that that well. So I, you know, I just (laughs) let that go. Um, you know, and, and there's just better strange, <laughs> better, you know, as women I, I, with a, with awareness, and I think most women have awareness, you, you do learn t- to navigate them to a, mm-hmm. to a certain degree. I mean, in the smallest ways, um, you know, it's...
0: Right. No, the fact that, I mean, I, I'll just say, like... It, theoretically in a in a meeting right where you do think about that before you respond to a response you know like the the gentleman hypothetical guy who is quoting Nietzsche or whatever you know that the amount of energy that goes into thinking about the negotiation of that right you well, know, it, 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 And the re- reality of it would be he would be
1: insulted that me like an underling to him yes. Would be the person who would be, you know, correct in that situation. I'm writing another essay now about something, another, like, small incidents of, you know, I have this poster on my wall, um, an Andy Warhol poster, Women in Revolt, and uh, a friend of mine was, was looking at it, another man, and uh, he had said to me, uh, you know, uh, Robert De Niro was, in, was in an Andy Warhol film, and I knew that he hadn't been. I knew that he'd been, like, in a Jackie Curtis play. Jackie Curtis mm-hmm. is in Women in Revolt, the poster I have at the wall. And I said to him, oh, you know, and I said it to him very gently, you know, not wanting to offend his fragile ego, you know, with that fact that I might be right about something, you know, and he that which would make him wrong. Um, that, you know, uh, I think you mean uh, he was in a Jackie Curtis play. And he was like, oh, well, um, you know, well, we'll Google it later. We'll get back to this. Um, you know, men are just very fragile beings and, you know, a lot of, yeah. it's navigation.
0: Yes. Um, I know that I want to definitely talk about, um, the rate book, which I thought also, um, is such, um, it's, it's such a high octane, I think, an and inquiry into these ideas that we have when we're when we're really young, and that like that deep investigation of trying to figure out what was the right book. Um, do you want to just so listeners know, um, maybe kind of tell us a little bit about the origins of right. this notebook? Um,
1: well, when I was a kid, a friend and I had made a notebook, and it was just. Essentially what it was was just a list of guys that we thought were cute, but the way that we had phrased it was um, um, That these were men that we wanted to rape us um, You know, that was the language that we used obviously not meaning it right um, But in the essay is just about um, you know e- exploring the, the idea of that um, because in in my mind And in the essay I go into this, um, you know, trying to figure out where it came from, um, like through TV shows and um, this and that, I had thought of male aggression as like a compliment. Like if somebody was, was a caveman in their approach to you, that it wasn't... That they were, you know, troglodytes. It was that they couldn't control their desire yes. for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so the essay is just trying to like trace where those, how those ideas got into my head. Um, <clears throat> um, it used, through TV shows, um, you know, in the essay I mentioned um, Mork and Mindy. Uh,
0: yes.
1: And, and uh, an episode of Little House on the Prairie. Um, and Axel Rose. And, yeah, an Axel. Yes. Rose. Yes you know, how I saw, you know, some of his lyrics, specifically the lyric from It's So Easy, um, where it says, you know, you get nothing for nothing, if that's what you do, turn around, you know, bitch, I got a use for you. Like, I thought that that was like an opportunity. (laughs)
0: Like,
1: to me, that sounded like, um... but it it, it was about, the essay is about shame. It's about the shame of being um, a young woman with with an interest in in sex and, and how I started to you know, in my juvenile mind, you know, have these. It's really it's about the origins of what have been called rape fantasies. That's what that yes. essay is about, in my you know yes. super wordy
0: way. But I think, and I think about this piece is that it is, I think, for a lot of people, that kind of resounding yes, that like yeah, oh, you know, there will be relief. I think for a lot of readers. You know, under, you know, like understanding your journey and understanding um, this notebook and the origins of its of the notebook to be able to reflect on uh, whatever their journey and understanding sexuality is. Right. There will be, you know. Well, it's, it's really
1: funny for me because I grew up in like a very feminist household. Um, my mom didn't let us have Barbie dolls um, because she thought that they would something to our body images. Like when I was eight, um, there was this big Seneca Falls, this like famous women's gathering and protest of like um, uh, this like nuclear power plant. Um, so my mother very much had that ideology, but as, and as I say in the essay, there's a gr- great Maggie Nelson quote, you know, if you're a young girl and you're looking for information about sex and you're not really finding it from people you should be able to trust or people yes. who would be good guides, your sexuality will, will grow around what you see and what and what yes. you do find. Um, and it would have been great, uh, you know, it to have had a little bit of guidance to, mm-hmm. you know, have somebody when I was watching Mork and Mindy, <laughs> you know, say to me um, that this isn't, you know, this isn't how, how men should respond to women when they desire them. And it's okay for women to want to be desired. Um, you know, yes. I, didn't, I didn't get that. So I, yes. I had to try to figure it out for myself. And it got a little warped in there. But what's funny, I write in that essay about um, Mickey Dolan's
0: from the monkeys. Yes, from the monkeys. Yes.
1: And as the book was being published, I met him. You yeah, did. How did yeah, no. which is like I'm convinced I'm gonna die because I've met Vicky Dolan so like what else <laughs> left? Um, it was it was great um, he, I have to say like he sounded awesome he's like 73 he was on stage like totally rocking out um, and he sounded good he's like voice awesome. sounded awesome awesome so then afterward you could like um you could meet him and you, you know you had to buy like a $20 photo and it was so sad like after that he was having another meet and greet like the quality in I mean the uh, you know the quality yeah. not even the Hilton the quality and so I went up to the table and I didn't I, I was thinking about it afterward I didn't have copies of my book yet but if I had would I have given him one I, I think I would have because that's what I do um yes. uh but I said to him you know, I you were my first love. And he's like looking at me and I'm sure he hears that all the time, you know? Um, yeah. He was, he was that for a lot of women of different generations. And he was like, Oh, you look a little, um, he was like, you look a little too young for, you know, um, the first wave. And I was like, well, you know, I, I was on Nickelodeon. I caught you on
0: Nickelodeon. The first wave so, of the monkeys. Oh, you know. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, one of when I was uh, first picking up this book and reading the back cover, you know the question that your your friend had asked you about the subject matter of your writing, you know wasn't 40 a good age to grow up and move on to more mature subject matter rather than you know delving into the past and and I wonder especially as I was reading playing the Donald Trump game, I mean, I know that that this is dealing with, the past and your past. um, And yet it seems so intimately connected and necessary to understanding like right the right now and the kind of the terror of right now. Right. You know?
1: You know what I think people really need to think of when it comes to Donald Trump? The man does not have a dog. Like, I don't think the man's ever had a dog. And, and I think that's that. I think is says so much about you know if you're going to go to Donald Trump for any kind of warmth, or right, you know. And I would love to see how dogs would react to them, because to him, because animals are so great about, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, people. Yes, that, and intuiting who they are. Right. I I would love to see a pack of dogs. Just, yeah. Just,
0: and, that you know that slogan. It's not whether you win or lose. It's whether you win. That's on the box of the game. Yeah. you know? And I think too the um that word bigly that yeah. you used yeah. I was just like, Yes. They have I've not I've met so many biglies. Well they've yeah? um
1: they've released the transcripts now. That's what the news are talking about, these tra- and I think it's I think it's Sean Spicer doing this now. Sean Spicer now that he's been um canned. Uh, you know, yes. I, and I'm sure he's He's totally resentful and angry, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the leaks are coming from spicy, but they're um they're doing the transcripts of his telephone conversations with um the President of Mexico and the President of Australia, and it's just it's so mortifying I mean we know he's mortifying anyway, but there's there's big leagues all over the place in um yes in the, in the transcripts yes, um, yeah, so he's just it's I mean I, I'm obsessed with it but I feel like I, I just want to be so informed like I, I want to mm-hmm. know um, I want I, I want to be totally up to the moment with whatever the, the, the fuck he's doing um, so yes. I don't think he's doing much of anything i'm I think he's just you know uh, out on the stage he's never been one for quality um,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: he's not anybody who beating himself up when he hears back these mortifying transcripts of his phone conversations. I mean, that doesn't even register, um, you know, for him as something yes. that he needs to work on. Um, but you know, the, the hope is there that, um, you know, it, it ends soon because, yes. because it's just brought up such ugliness. Um, you know, and it's, and it's, it, it's even more ugly that, you know, like yesterday when he's talking about, you know, making all these revisions to immigration, um, The likelihood is that's not going to happen. You're not going to get 60 votes in the Congress for that to happen. But he goes on TV and he just introduces these new ugly ideas that he knows are never going to happen. And it's like chum for his base. Yes. He's he's just feeding his base ugliness that he knows will please them. Um, And it's just so horrible. So horrible.
0: Well your concluding piece I think gets at um <laughs> really in in a really personal way, you know, this idea that of geography being what can determine healthcare. But, yeah. You know, okay. and and what I also loved about this piece, which focuses on um, you know, you becoming hepatitis C free, right? Okay. Is also um the beautiful relationship complex albeit really complex with Callie too um, that's handled really beautifully and you're able to to braid all of these together with you know what's happening in our world right now you know and and how you know it does determine the state you live in determines whether or not you could Mm -hmm. live or die
1: Yes. You know, a drug, yes. te- a drug test could determine, you know, because I say in some states you have to pass drug tests in order to get um, to qualify for the treatment for hepatitis C. So a drug test could determine whether or not you live or die. I mean, the stark yes. reality of that is it's, it's like it's absolutely bone chilling, um, you, you know, and to, to, to see the Republicans um, just s- s- scramble. In their you know in their attempts to you know take health care away from millions of people, um, it's it's just really it's really, really ugly. Um, and, and that's what the world where that's our society right now on the forefront, yes. um, just so much ugliness and and it's, and it's class war stuff. Yes. I mean, all of this is, is is class war. That's what's going on. You know, when they talk about uh, you know low skilled immigrants coming to the country and taking away jobs from um, you know uh, people who citizens with low skills, um, you know, it's putting that on. Uh, it's the immigrants who are who who are doing this. It's not the corporations who yes. pay poverty wages. And are so resistant to raising the minimum wage. Um, you know, those are the people who, you know, and that's the Republican Party too. They never want to regulate anything. Um, it's always the people who um, uh, who get the brunt of whatever their poli- policy changes will be. They'll never regulate corporations or big business. Um, it's they'll, they'll just regulate um, people.
0: Yes. You know. I have to say, Fiona, I'm so grateful for your time and for the fact that through these beautiful, um, compelling essays, you're bringing to so many readers' eyes um, exactly where we are at and also where you've been and in such um, an artful way. Um, So I thank you so much for your time. Can you tell us where we can find you online and what you're up to next? Um, well, I'm really bad at the internet. Like,
1: I'm in a moment where I'm kind of bad with it. I do have a Tumblr page that I don't update very often. Like, lately, I just put on, like, clips from Joan Crawford movies. But um, that's com. And I did, I mentioned the shoe, the shoe project, where yes. I was putting up pictures of writer's shoes. Um, that's just um, Shoes of a Writer at Tumblr.com. Or it's, I think it's actually just Shoes of a writer.com.
0: Thank you so, so much for your work and for your time today. Um, I so enjoyed speaking with you and I so enjoyed reading your collection. And again, that is Girls Gone Old, essays by Fiona Helmsley, available now. So please keep your eye out for that and pick it up. So worth the read. Thank you, Fiona.